Students at Florida College start their morning with chapel every weekday. Join us now for Daily Chapel from Florida College. Good morning. Let's sing Near, Still Near.
good morning. Good to be with you again. Appreciate Mr. Bohr leading us to singing this morning. I always appreciate singing with Mr. Bohr, one of our fine young professors. Uh, Luke 18, we've looked at a couple of examples of faith this week. Uh, firstly, do I have a persistent faith? And Jesus taught along those lines. Do we truly at all times pray and not lose heart? Do I have a humble faith, even as a child? Do I truly want to follow him and trust him, even as a child, trusting in his mercy, not just merely on what I do? And so what's our faith all about? And here in Luke 18, too, he teaches about a compelling faith. Does our faith truly compel us to do what we need to do? So in Luke 18, I want to look now at uh, verses 18 and following. We're told a familiar story. We're told this in Luke 18, verse 18, that a ruler questioned the Lord, saying, Good teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. The young man said, All these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus heard this and he said to him, One thing you still lack. Go sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, come and follow me. But when he heard these things, the rich young man became very sad, because we're told he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then the cultural supposition is made by the disciples, and they ask, Well then, how is it that any can be saved? But Jesus said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. And Peter quickly, as Peter often did, answered and said to the Lord, well, we have left all our homes and followed you. And Jesus gives a great promise in verses 29 and 30. He said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much in this time and the age to come eternal life. And then he turned to his disciples and told them something else, a living illustration that they're going to see before very long. And he said, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all the things that are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished for he'll be handed over to the Gentiles He'll be mocked and mistreated, spat upon. And after they've scourged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. But the disciples, were told, understood none of these things. And the meaning of the statements hidden from them. They did not comprehend the things that were said. And so what's our faith all about? This young man came to Jesus. And you know, the parallel accounts tell us a few more things. You know, most of you. And Mark, his gospel tells us that the young man came and ran to Jesus, knelt before him. That Jesus, when he looked at him, and all the accounts of this say that Jesus looked right at this young man. Mark's account said that he felt love for the young man. In Matthew's account, Matthew tells us these same things. Matthew also tells us that, G that Peter reminded the Lord, as if he needed to be reminded, we've left all to follow you, and Jesus gave him the great promises that indeed eternal life awaits but then very quickly taught them about how the, last, or the first shall be last and the last will be first. 
Don't stake your claim to heaven as if you have one because you just got here sooner than somebody else. Be careful, Jesus teaches right through that. That's about spiritual arrogance. Where is your faith? Is it just about in what you do? Is it about in what you have? Is it about in what you can offer? Or is your faith based on the grace and mercy given by God alone? So when the young man comes to Jesus, he knew what to do. And Jesus can read the heart, and he asked him, you, or told him, you know what to do. What are the commandments? And when he gets the affirmative answer, I have followed the law, remember, Jesus doesn't say you're wrong. You haven't done those things. Uh, hardly. And Jesus, looking, looking at his heart, knows that he's done what he needs to do, and yet there's something he still needs to do farther. Again, like yesterday, I mentioned it's not enough that we go to worship. It's not enough that we go to Bible class. It's not enough that you carry your own Bible. All those things make you odd people in this world. It makes you good people, good in the eyes of God, good in the eyes, of, I hope, of man. But it makes you odd people to do those things. But that alone doesn't save you. You can do all those things and be lost. Here, this young man has done everything seemingly he needs to do. But the prioritization of life is difficult. It's painful. You look at a pyramid, there's one point. There's nothing else that can go atop it. If Jesus isn't atop that pyramid of life for you, there's, there's a problem. There's a problem there. You've put something else first. How many times does the Lord teach, put everything else behind me? Everything else, whether that's your wife, whether that's your parents, whether that's whoever it is or whatever you do in life, put that behind me. And people very quickly say, that's awfully harsh. How can the Lord ask anybody to do that? Consider how the passage that I read ends. What he put ahead of his devotion to the Father and ahead of his love for us. Anything? Anything. Not one thing. Now, what he challenges us to do, because you've got to walk Christianity. It's spirituality at the upper division, no, graduate level. You've got to really want it because it takes a great commitment. It takes a great sacrifice. But the Lord lives that out. So when he teaches this young man, it's about prioritization. You need to give one more thing. You need to put me first. You need to go sell all that you have. You need to come follow me. Jesus knows what we know. What you prize, you protect. What you prize, you protect. If you truly love somebody, truly love something, there'll be nothing that you will do not to protect that thing. You tell me that's not true. Think about your phones. Think about your cars. If you've got one, if mom and dad let you bring your car, right? Lock the car door. Think about your stuff. You want to secure it. Think about your relationships. How far would you go to see a friend that's dying of cancer? How far would you go to get someone healed if you knew that they were dying of cancer? How much would you do for the person that you love? How far would you travel to help that person, to be with that person? What we prize, we protect and we pursue. And that's what Jesus challenges us to do with our spiritual life. It's not enough just to simply do what you're commanded to do. It's not enough just to go to worship and read your Bible. Those are great things. You're challenged to do more. You're challenged to put him first in all things, which will take sacrifice, if not now, sometime. It will come. It will happen. And so that's why Jesus teaches the way he does, I'm persuaded, just this way. He knows. He has compassion for us. 
When we pray, we ought to pray. And remember, God knows what we deal with. We are physical people. We are fleshly people living in a physical world. Physical things matter. We are commanded. We are expected to be good stewards of those physical things, but they ought not come. They can never come before the Lord. Ultimately, if we remember, all these things are his. Even the time we're given on this earth to make a difference. Ultimately, it's all his. All these things are gifts from his hand. You think, well, what about the hard times? The hard times teach you things. We all know it's a lot easier to read James 1 than live it. Yeah, everything we're given in this life is from his hand. Certainly all good things are gifts. And so Jesus teaches when people think this is impossible, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. And then he stepped right to the point that the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. He will be beaten. He'll be spat upon. He'll be scourged. He'll be put to death. And after three days, he'll rise again. Shouldn't surprise us those disciples didn't understand. Had we been in their spots, I don't think we would have understood either. But he gave up all physically so that we might gain spiritually. There's nothing that he left in front of his, in front of his service to his father's will. That's a compelling faith. That's a compelling faith. That's the kind of faith I want to follow. I know you do too. That's a compelling example. So think again. When the Son of Man comes on the earth, will he find this kind of faith here still remaining? Let's pray. We thank you, Father, so much for the things that you do for us in this life. We know that all good things truly do come from you. The time that we have, even this time here, is a gift from your hands. So we pray we'd use it well. Help us not Help us not ever give up a day or just waste an hour. Help us always use the time that you've given us in a way that truly honors you and truly encourages others. Help us always, Father, prepare always for a life of service to you and all. Watch over us this day. We pray that you'd watch over us through the remainder of this semester, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks to Dr. Thank you for joining us for Daily Chapel from Florida College. Have a blessed day.